All right, we are set up and live on both Facebook and Instagram. Just giving some folks another minute or so to hop on and then we will get started. Hope y'all are having a great day. It's so beautiful outside today. My favorite season is coming up, good old spring. And again, just give it another minute or so for people to hop on and we'll get started. More seconds, y'all. A few more seconds. Can't see over this. If y'all can, whoever's on as far as Facebook, let me know in the chat if you can hear me. All right. This is my first time using my mic. I feel official. <laughs> I just want to be sure I'm coming through loud and clear for y'all. Alrighty, we are at our three minute mark, so let's hop into it. So what's up y'all? Welcome, happy Tuesday. My name is Tari Kaya Allen Butler. And I am a speaker and author of a book that I have out called Mom Keys to Mental Peace. And what I do is teach millennial moms how to gain confidence in who they are as a woman and how to build healthy relationships with their children. So this whole um, week or so, we have been in a series of talking about different ways and things that we can do to get our life in order and to reach our goals whether it be fitness, finances, um, spiritual, relationships, whatever it may be. So today we're kind of circling the block back around and hitting that fitness, but more so specifically diving in a little deeper with um, body image and talking about snapback culture and their expectations and what you can do um, to have a better or more positive body image about yourself, okay? Um, this is in honor of Women's History Month, so a lot of the themes for my talks this month will be on womanhood, woman history, and things like that, just celebrating us as women, um, as authentic women, so let's hop into it, all right? So we start to learn about body image or start to care about body image from a very, very, very young age. Um, as young as I would say four years old and I know because I have memories of um, me caring or thinking about my body image and comparing myself to um, maybe baby dolls that I saw cartoons certain movies or music videos um, and I have a five-year-old now and I notice little conversations and inclinations and comments that she makes about her body image or a body image of other girls and women that she sees on these platforms. So body image starts very, very early to where we are aware of our bodies. 
um, we start to compare our bodies to other people. We notice um, who has certain accentuated areas of their body, who doesn't have those accentuated areas, and we start to compare ourselves from a very early age. Um, and again, like I said, this comes from what we see on the media as far as the baby dolls we play with, certain cartoons that we watch, certain movies or music videos, or good old social media, just scrolling through social media. There's constantly um, IG models or somebody in a bathing suit or <laughs> some, even with men, you see these bodybuilders and things where we're constantly being reminded of a body image or a specific body type or a preferred body type, right? And if you don't have that preferred body type, according to society, it's kind of like this red flashing beam or reminder that you are not there, right? So society um, changes a lot about, you know, fads and what's in and what's popular, what's hot and what's not. And body image is one of those things as well. So I can remember like back in the early 90s, even early 2000s, um, according to society, it was popular to be like super, super skinny, like model thin is what they called it, right? Um, that was the body image. And if you were not small like that, then they considered you to be overweight or obese. This is society. And I just look back on some of those like old classic shows like um, That's So Raven or The Parkers. Um, there was another one. Oh, Sister, Sister, the mama on Sister, Sister. How they referred to these women as plus size women. And looking at That's So Raven now, you know, looking back at that show, Sis was not big <laughs> at all. Sis was not plus size. Now, yes, she was maybe top heavy. But just as far as like her body as a whole, I personally do not think that she was huge. Um, even Kim from the Parkers, again, this is that early 2000s, that 90s era, they referred to her as being plus size or big. Um, and I, you know, looking at those shows now today, sis is nowhere near big. So again, like I said, the society changes what is in or what's acceptable as far as body image over time. Um, later, you know, current, more so currently in the later 2000s, um, the body image type is this whole Coke bottle shape. So having this busty top and this super, super tiny slim waist and a huge butt <laughs> or thick thighs and stuff, you know, those are more acceptable body types now than they were in the early 90s. So it definitely changes and fluctuates. And when it comes to, you know, body image and how we look at ourselves as women, there's a lot of women who feel like if I lose X amount of pounds or there might be somebody really small that's trying to get thick and feel like if I gain X amount of pounds that that will be my happy place. And sis, just let me tell you, that is not always the case. And I'll go into my short, my story and sharing how I know that from experience, okay? So, transparent moment. I have experienced having a form of an eating disorder as far back as I can remember as four years old. 
as soon as four years old. And like I said, being aware of body image and stuff, it starts very, very early. It starts really young. So I can remember as far back as being four years old and pretty much just eating <laughs> constantly or anything in sight. Like when it came to going out to eat and restaurants and stuff, sis was not a kid's meal either. I wanted the regular adult meal plate. Again, this is like four or five years old. A baby still in my eyes, right? So um, pretty much from what I can remember, there was not necessarily any boundaries on the food that I ate. Like there was nobody saying, hey, that's enough or no, you can't eat that or no, you just had this to eat. You don't need that. There was no boundaries. Um, and if you've been following me or listening to some of my talks, I do share a talk about how pretty much I was kind of self-sufficient in my household, right? Like, yes, I, I had my basic needs, food, clearly, <laughs> clothes, um, and shelter to live. But as far as like connection and interaction um, from my home, I didn't really get that. So when it came to my overeating as a child, Looking back at it now, I think that it was more so of like a um, escape for my parents. More so like, well, she doesn't have anything else to do or I'm not interacting with her. So sure, she can eat those pack of cookies, right? I can even remember y'all, um, again, this is four and five years old. I can think back um, to trips to McDonald's, right? All kids love McDonald's. Clearly, my parents had McDonald's money because they were ready for it. But I would order the chicken nuggets, the kid chicken nuggets, and the hamburger meal, the Happy Meals. And I would eat both of them. And again, this is my parents buying this stuff. Nobody said, no, you only need one meal. You don't need two. But again, like I said, I can remember eating these things and filling myself up. So I have dealt with weight. <laughs> I have dealt with um, body image and eating and all of this stuff for years 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 and i'll be 30 this year and i can say this is the first year that i've kind of taken control and hold on um my eating patterns and my eating habits right but it goes back this is that work that we have to do that self-reflection and looking at okay what is the root of this stuff right so pretty much um, in my research, I figured out that I was emotional eating, that I was trying to fill that void of emptiness that I was experiencing with my parents. So because there was no connection, um, really interaction in the home, um, when I was home, I was filling myself up. I was entertaining myself by eating. You can have a good time eating snacks and sitting around watching TV. And it doesn't take much for it to go too far or out of control. So again, as this child, I didn't really have those boundaries or things put in place. So when I had access to those snacks and were able to reach it myself or figure out and push the chair up to the cabinet and get my snacks, oops, to get my snacks, that's what your girl was doing, right? And because of that, I was obese or have been obese for majority of the years of my life, as young as four. So with me being um, experiencing, you know, obesity and being overweight, when it came to my friend groups, I oftentimes, you know, would compare myself to my friends 
And the older I got, you know, that's when interest in boys and stuff start coming in. So I noticed that a lot of boys weren't necessarily interested in me. They were more so interested in my friends. So again, I made the connection that boys aren't interested in me because I'm big, because I'm not skinny, because I'm not fit, okay? But again, as a child, I didn't really have that mental capacity to change my eating habits or start some type of a workout habit um, on my own, right? So that didn't happen. Um, like I said, I oftentimes felt like the ugly friend. I definitely was picked on and made fun of because of my weight. And as a um, shield or mechanism for that, I became the jokester too. So it was a lot of times I would try to be on joke time before somebody could say a joke about me, right? So this caused me to be have a sarcastic um, type of like attitude or personality. I was always snapping back, um, having something witty or smart to say. Even if nobody said anything, I felt like I have to be on top of it before somebody comes at me with a joke. All right? It does not feel good to be the butt of the joke. And if you were coming for me, I was ready to come for you. So joke time was my thing. But now I realize as an adult, it was a defense mechanism for the insecurities that I had about my body image, right? Um, I oftentimes, as a child, you know, thinking back, I can remember fantasizing about the body that I wanted and comparing it to other people's bodies that I saw. So on the music videos that I watched, on these movies that I watched, where I saw these thin girls getting this, atten getting this attention from men, I felt like this is what I have to look like um, in order for anybody to like me or find me desirable. So like I said, a lot of times I would just fantasize in my head that if I got to that point um, with my body image or if I lost this amount of weight or if I could lose this weight to wear these type of outfits, then people would like me or people would want to talk to me and interact with me, right? Not a healthy place to be at all because I'm attaching my worth to a weight and to other people's opinions and what they feel about me and how they interact with me. Um, I thought that my happiness would be found in the weight loss. So um, I had a very, I'm not going to say love-hate relationship. It definitely was all hate <laughs> relationship with the scale. So for as long as I can remember, I would step on the scale every single morning, right? And a lot of times that number that I saw would determine my mood for the day. So if the number was going up, I let that number weigh and hang over my head for most of the day. And then it would make me kind of conscious and insecure about the food that I would eat throughout the day like, well, girl, you know you up five pounds, so you don't need to be eating all of this or need to be doing that. And I convinced myself that I was being self-aware of the food and stuff that I ate, that I was being cautious. But really, it was an obsession with the number and the scale. And I had to realize, well, I'll get into that later, <laughs> where, I, where I am now. This is, this is where I came from. So yes, it was definitely a hate relationship with that scale. It was not a healthy relationship with that scale. And I'm so glad that I have come from there today. Um, where am I at? 
So, you know, I shared in my mom moment um, yesterday how I gained over 60 pounds in my first pregnancy. And keep in mind, I was 17 years old. So a teenager in high school, who is trying to gain 60 pounds in high school? And then for all my moms out there, you know, like after you have your baby, your body just, <laughs> it just looks different. It looks deformed. It looks morphed, like changed. So as a teenager seeing that, I really went into a deep depression, um, looking at my body like, because I will say before I got pregnant um, with my son in high school, I had lost all of this childhood weight that I was talking about. I had finally got to that skinny um, weight or to that number that I desired, but I still wasn't fully happy. I was still searching for other things. So after I had my son and saw that I was back up <laughs> and how far I had to go to get back down, I went into a depression. Um, I would avoid going out places. I would avoid wearing certain outfits because I knew it wouldn't look right on me. I was very insecure about the way that I look. And mamas, if you've ever experienced this before, this is one of the worst things ever. So this was like a week or so after I had my baby, very, very soon. So I was still, you know, a little puffy. And I can remember being at Walmart and a girl stopped me, which I, I knew her. And she was like, girl, when you going to have that baby? Ain't it about time for you to have that baby? Y'all. <laughs> when I say crushed, like waterworks, tears crushed, <laughs> that she said that, I was like, well, actually, he's at the house. Like, I already had him. So that was just another verbal reminder of how big I had got once again and how far that I had to go. I was very, very depressed by that. So... You know, fast forward to my second pregnancy with Janae, I had changed my mindset about my body image. Um, I had started working out and things before I got pregnant with her, and then I got pregnant <laughs> and gained that weight back. But I was in a different mindset once I had her. I knew that, hey, you've got to put this work in if you want to see these results. And I looked in the mirror and told myself, you know, this will be the last day that you look in the mirror and don't like what you see. So that put me into go mode to get my, my mindset right to um, get my mindset right to be able to line my actions up with my mindset when it came to fitness and weight loss and how I felt and thought about my own body. So um, I started off by cutting out fast food and keeping a food log like just keeping a diary in my phone in the notes section of all the food that I was eating for that day. So anything I put to my mouth, I wrote it in my log. And I will say that made me very, very conscious about the food that I was eating and the amount of food that I was eating. Now, you know, when you first have your baby, you can't really work out or go hard like that. So just in me changing those eating habits with my second pregnancy, I was able to lose um, 20 pounds within the first six weeks. So I was very grateful for that. Um, I was very grateful for that. And I had an accountability group, keeping my food log and cooking my food at home. Those were the main three changes that I made to start to see some changes and results in my body. All right. So I kind of want to go into the whole post-baby body thing because it can be depressing <laughs> as a mom looking at your body after that baby. 
But I just want you to keep these things in mind, right? Your body went through 40 weeks of change from the day of conception. We're going to need way more than six weeks to snap back or to get our bodies back to the size that we were before our babies. And just a side note, after you have a baby, your body is different. Your body is not the same as it was before that baby. You have to think certain organs have been moved and shifted around. You've gained weight, you know, to support your baby's growth. Your stomach has stretched super far. Your uterus, your legs, your hips, things have changed and spread. Your breasts have grown and spread. Like your body is not the same <laughs> after you have a baby. And I think we need to be more open to accepting that and being okay with that as mothers um, today in this society. Um, and just think about how amazing your body is for my mamas out there who have had babies. Your body held and grew a human being for 40 weeks. Now, if that's not amazing, then I don't know what is. That's huge. That's amazing. Your body nurtured your baby. So there were probably certain foods that you were not eating. Probably were not taking your prenatals the way you were supposed to. I know I had a, a struggle with that. But still, your body was able to give your baby everything that it needed in order to grow and mature and be here as a full human being today. That's amazing. It doesn't matter if you had your baby naturally or a C-section. Your body was prepared to give birth to life. You birthed life from inside of your body. <laughs> you grew it and birthed it. That's not a small thing, y'all. It's not small, that's major. And we have to keep that in mind um, for those moments that we do feel discouraged or not where we want to be as far as our the way our bodies look right now. Um, give yourself grace, have patience, and understand that it's going to take time. Um, something that I've been keeping in mind, because, you know, I have, my baby just turned nine months today. I cannot believe it. So I've been, um, giving myself grace that, you know, it took 40 weeks for my body to change. He's nine months now. I don't know how many weeks that is, but I know he's close to one. So, um, I just got back six pounds over my pre-pregnancy weight, six pounds away from my pre-pregnancy weight. And he's not, this is nine months after birth. And I'm so proud of myself. And as I put on my new, my old clothes and see the way that they fit and the way I feel about myself, it's like, girl, you've come a long way. You have come a long way. Remember when you couldn't even get this stuff on. So give yourself grace and have patience. Now, when it comes to the whole BBL and surgery thing, I'm not against anyone who has done it or is planning on getting it. But sis, just consider these things, okay? So getting a BBL or the surgery is a lot more popular today. Society has changed and has accepted it more. In like the early 2000s, 90s, it was more so breast implants. But now you can do the whole thing. You can get your toes done, I'm sure, if you want to. So <laughs> they are not discriminating. You can get anything done. Um, and it's really celebrity influence. So on Instagram, we're seeing these celebrities. They've done it. They've got it done. They look great. But we have to keep in mind that these celebrities have the money and the team of people to keep up this surgery body, okay? 
And there have even been some celebrities that have spoke out about surgeries going wrong or things not really going well for them. So I want you to, if you're considering getting a BBL surgery or any type of mommy makeover surgery, consider to give yourself at least six months to a year dedicated to a diet and fitness workout plan. So if you have not even tried to lose the weight on your own through diet and fitness, should you really consider doing the surgery? Yes, that's like the quick fix thing. But after you get the surgery, you have to keep it up. Calories and fat will still build on your body if you are not burning fat and exercising and eating right. So if you, even if you are considering doing that, go ahead and start starting those habits now because you're gonna have to do them to keep up the body that you just paid for to get the surgery done. Um, it is a major surgery. Um, do your research on the surgeons and results and testimonials that people are having. Don't just look in one place, look in several places, talk to different people, do your work. Um, one show that I recommend that you all watch is watch um, My Killer Body, it's on Hulu. And it's hosted by Kay Michelle. And she is hosting other women who are talking about their experiences with this plastic surgery. You know, trying to get that tummy tuck or get a bigger butt and things like that. Nothing wrong with that. But just do your research and be aware of the risks. Because one thing that these ladies shared on that show is once you go into that surgery and those things are changed, you will never be back to your original size. Um, there was one lady who tummy tuck went all wrong and those images were very hard to look at. And it just made me look at my mom's stomach all squishy and soft with its stretch marks. <laughs> and I just wanted to hug it and say, girl, I love you. I love your stomach. It is okay where it is. Just from watching and hearing her story at the results and what she's having to deal with to try to get things fixed and get it back right. Keep this stuff in mind, y'all. Really evaluate your reason why you want the surgery. Are you doing it because your favorite celebrity has it? Are you doing it because you saw a girl on Instagram with it and you want to look like her? Really reconsider your why when you're considering doing this major surgery. And if you do get it or do plan on getting it, make sure you have a plan in place on how you're going to keep this body up after your surgery. Because again, Calories and fat can still come on your body despite the surgery. You still have to have some sort of a fitness lifestyle. So I just want to share a few um, positive body affirmations and then we will close up for the night. All right. So your positive body mindset starts with how you think and talk about your body. So instead of saying it's going to take forever to lose all this weight, try saying I can set and focus on small goals to reach my desired weight loss. My future self will be proud of the decisions I'm making today. Instead of saying, my stomach is so fat and ugly, try saying, my stomach housed an entire human being and kept them safe. It will take some work and time to lose this stomach, but I'm up for the challenge. Instead of saying, she looks so much better than me, I wish I looked like that, try saying, wow, she looks beautiful. I desire to look that way one day, but I look beautiful where I am now today.
my journey to my goal weight will be beautiful. And last but not least, instead of saying, I'm going to get the surgery, it will get me to my goal faster, try saying, I will do research on the surgery. While I'm researching, I'm also holding myself accountable to work out and diet before the surgery because that is a lifestyle change I will have to make after the surgery anyway. All right, so that is all I have for you all today. Thank you so much for tuning in. So this is a new thing that I have. Facebook, I'm going to drop the link down below. Um, I'm trying to um, build up my email list to where I can send out some special resources and things to um, members outside of, you know, the public Facebook and IG lives. So if you can, Facebook, I'm going to drop the link. Um, please sign up for my email list. I would appreciate it. Instagram, the link is in my bio on my LinkedIn page. Facebook, I'll drop it in the comments. Um, I would really appreciate it, all right, if you sign up for my email list. So thank you all for tuning in. I pray that this talk was helpful and that you all have a good night. Bye.